Good morning. In today's headlines, a Texas killer is on the loose. Over 200 officers are taking part in the manhunt. Take a look at the suspect from photos the FBI released as they try to bring him to justice. It's the second largest bank failure in U.S. history. First Republic becomes the third U.S. bank to fold since March. Find out who bought the troubled lender after it was seized over the weekend. Tornadoes hit Virginia and Florida over the weekend, causing damage to homes and flipping over cars. Wind gusts reached over 100 miles per hour. Don't mess with Texas farmland. A new bill targets the purchase of agricultural land by citizens of hostile nations such as China or North Korea. And around the world in 80 days, you've probably heard of the book, but a pair of women tried that out in real life at 80 years old. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. Good morning. I'm Evelyn Lee. Today is May 1st. Evelyn, it's great to have you back. It's good to be back. Yeah, tell us about your vacation. Oh, it was great. It was really relaxed. We had lots of uh, quality family time, which I really appreciated. That so. sounds nice. Where'd you go? Yeah. Uh, well, we visited my family first there in Germany, and then we went to Italy for a little round trip, and we also visited, we saw my husband's family in Tel Aviv as well, so that was great. Wow, some exotic places. Yeah. It really sounds relaxing. It was, it was. Thanks for the update, Evelyn. And we're starting off with some breaking news about First Republic Bank. It's been seized by regulators overnight. Yes, but before we get to that, let's look at what's going on in Turkey. President Erdogan said yesterday that intelligence forces killed the leader of ISIS in northern Syria. Erdogan says the country's forces have been in pursuit of the terrorist leader for a long time. And in the U.S., a manhunt in Texas is underway for a shooter that killed five people. The FBI released new pictures of the suspect. So far, they say they have zero leads. An $80,000 reward is being offered for information that leads to his arrest. And today's Jeremy Sandberg has more on the search for the fugitive. Right now, we're, we're just uh, we're running into dead ends. Officials say over 200 officers from local and federal agencies are on a manhunt in Texas. 38-year-old Francisco Oropesa is accused of killing five of his neighbors and injuring three others. The FBI released these photos. He's described as a five foot eight Hispanic man with a goatee and short black hair. He has a tattoo of a woman on his left forearm. Oropesa is originally from Mexico. He is considered armed and dangerous. Investigators said Sunday they have no idea where he could be. We're asking everyone for your help so we can bring this suspect or this monster, I will call him, to justice. The suspect's neighbors asked him to stop shooting his gun in his front yard in Cleveland, Texas on Friday. Footage from the neighbor's ring doorbell shows him entering their house. Police believe some of the adults killed were trying to shield their children from bullets. Well, the three, the three children that, that we loaded that night uh, and put in the ambulance, they were covered in blood from the same ladies that were laying on top of them trying to protect the sheriff says the search began with dogs, men on horseback, and drones on Saturday, and were tracking the suspect with his cell phone. But the trail went cold when they found the phone and some of his clothing abandoned. The bloodshed has left the residents of the small town in southeastern Texas shaken up. I have five kids, and it's, it is kind of scary. You never know where he can be, but I don't really think he will be here anymore. Authorities say the suspect might have already fled the country. The sheriff's office says his bond will be set at $5 million if arrested. 
Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Texas Governor Greg Abbott says the suspect is a top 10 fugitive and was in the country illegally. The five killed were also illegal immigrants. He says he's directed Operation Lone Star to be on the lookout for any attempts to flee the country. From fugitives to failures, First Republic Bank is back in the headlines. It's become the second largest bank failure in U.S. history. Regulators seized the troubled lender over the weekend and sold it. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank was the winning bidder. Entity's Jeremy Sandberg has more on the deal and what's next for First Republic's customers. J.P. Morgan Chase will be taking over all deposits and most of First Republic's assets. The Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, or FDIC, says California regulators have closed First Republic and appointed J.P. Morgan Chase as receiver. First Republic Bank's 84 branches in eight states will reopen Monday as branches of J.P. Morgan Chase. First Republic has struggled since the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank in early March. It received a lifeline of $30 billion from the nation's largest banks, but that proved not to be enough. Investors and depositors grew increasingly concerned that the bank might not survive. Because of its high amount of uninsured deposits and exposure to low interest rate loans, it was seen as the most likely to fail next. The company reported its total deposits fell 41% in the first quarter, and that depositors pulled more than $100 billion out of the bank in April. Its stock plummeted 75% last week, with shares closing at $3.50 on Friday, down from roughly $170 a share it traded for a year ago, and dropped even further in after-hours trading. Its shares fell 97% since the problems at SVB surfaced. The seizure makes it the third U.S. bank to fail since March. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. The U.S. conducted its first evacuations of non-government personnel from Sudan over the weekend. Hundreds of Americans were able to reach a seaport after completing a dangerous land journey. NTD's Daniel Monahan brings us more. American drones provided armed overwatch for a bus convoy. It was carrying two to three hundred Americans over 500 miles to Port Sudan. U.S. troops carried out security checks at the port and registered those who had fled the fighting. The evacuees were then welcomed on board a U.S. vessel. The U.S. had none of its officials on the ground for the evacuation. The United States has been criticized by families of trapped Americans in Sudan for first ruling out any U.S.-run evacuation for Americans, calling it too dangerous. More than a dozen other nations had already been carrying out evacuations of their citizens using a mix of military planes, naval vessels, and on-the-ground personnel. Meanwhile, tens of thousands of foreign nationals are struggling to leave Sudan as intense fighting continues for more than a second week. Thousands gathered in Port Sudan on Saturday to try to secure a spot on a departing ship. We are sitting here in place, and may God bless them that they were able to provide a space for us at all. But we are sitting on the ground. Most of the people are sitting on their bags. We are all coming from places that are far away, most of us from Khartoum. Many are Syrians who came to Sudan to escape their own country's conflict and build a new life. It remained unclear how many would get out. The travel to Port Sudan itself is complex, involving at least a day's travel across the country's desert region with fuel, water and transport scarce and expensive. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. A bill in Colorado is causing some disagreement. The measure would increase criminal penalties for indecent exposure in view of a minor. The measure would make indecent exposure a class six felony if committed in view of someone under 18. It's currently a class one misdemeanor. 
Although introduced by Democrats, a majority of them voted against it. But the bill received unanimous Republican support. One state lawmaker feels the measure could be used to ban drag shows and harm transgender people. Democrat Representative Leslie Harrod said the bill uses language like other measures around the nation that she believes are designed to single out transgender people. These types of laws have been used to ban drag shows, to target individuals who use the restroom of the sex that they identify with, a public restroom. Representative Shannon Byrd was one of the Democrats who introduced the bill. Byrd says the bill is about protecting children and making sure sex crimes against them are punished. The lawmaker added that every district attorney in the state backed the measure. A border crisis rally was held in Austin, Texas on Saturday. It demanded declaring an invasion at the southern border and defining Mexican cartels as terror organizations. It also called for seizing cartel bank accounts and assets and advocated for a Texas border defense unit to protect Texans. It was dubbed the How Many More Rally and posed questions like how many more Texas communities must see their hospitals and schools overrun by non-citizens or how many more Americans must die from fentanyl poisoning or how many more illegal immigrants must be drowned or murdered and see their children sold into slavery. Organization member Mark Meckler addressed the crowd. We have an existential crisis at our southern border. The state's being invaded. We're under assault, and it affects not just folks here in Texas, but the entire country. We talk about human trafficking. I don't think we have human trafficking in this country. We have modern-day slavery in this country. We don't have an immigration problem in the United States. What we have is a slave trade problem. We have a drug trafficking problem. And it's directly related to the open border that we face. About a dozen speakers took to the stage over the course of the three-hour rally. You can find the full broadcast on NTD.com. And after the break, tornadoes swept through Virginia Beach and Palm Beach over the weekend. Gusts reached in excess of 100 miles per hour, causing damage to cars and buildings. And more Americans delinquent on their car payments and repossessions are more frequent. We hear some tips from a credit analyst on how to keep your car if you're having trouble making ends meet, so stay tuned. Welcome back. A local state of emergency was declared by the city of Virginia Beach. That's after a tornado whirled through the area Sunday night. Eyewitness footage captured the moment when the tornado was about to hit. The extent of the damage is not yet clear, but according to fire officials, it included downed trees, roof collapses, and gas leaks. Officials estimate between 50 and 100 homes were damaged. No injuries or deaths have been reported. And a tornado swept through southeastern Florida over the weekend, bringing heavy rain and winds of over 100 miles per hour and causing damage to cars and other property. Here's NTD's Cost Hemenes with more. Oh my God. The tornado touched down in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida on Saturday. Eyewitness video captured the moment the car was flipped into the air and hurled debris all over the highway. More footage showed cars stacked onto one another in an open parking lot, as well as damage to buildings, including torn off roofs. Trees were uprooted. According to eyewitness reports, 
It started out as just a thunderstorm. Then, from when it formed to when it hit, it was only a matter of minutes. The National Weather Service in Miami reported the twister as an EF2 tornado, characterized by wind gusts between 110 and 135 miles per hour. No fatalities and only minor injuries were reported. The National Weather Service on Saturday afternoon placed a large stretch of central Florida under tornado watch as thunderstorms were hurling across the state. Officials confirmed emergency protocols were deactivated on Sunday. Storm damage caused major roadways to be closed, as authorities worked to clear debris and assess the damage. The tornado was part of a series of severe weather events that hit Florida over the weekend. Cost MNS, NTD News. A new Texas bill would ban the purchase of farmland by citizens of hostile foreign nations. The measure was passed by the state Senate. The bill targets countries officially listed as a national threat for three years in a row. That currently includes China, Russia, Iran and North Korea. Permanent residents and dual citizens still would be able to allowed to buy land under the bill, though. The measure specifies that only land where foreign ownership would pose a threat is off-limits. That means agriculture, oil, timber and mineral-bearing areas. Other states have proposed laws to stop hostile foreign governments from purchasing U.S. land. Those include North Carolina and Florida. At the national level, Senator Tom Cotton introduced a bill last month on the topic. It would ban Chinese citizens from purchasing farmland and real estate in the U.S. with some exceptions. And on the topic of China, an aggressive maneuver in the South China Sea, a Chinese Coast Guard ship blocked a Philippine patrol vessel, causing a near collision. The White House put out a statement in support of the Philippines. It was the latest act of Beijing's aggression in one of the world's most hotly contested waterways. The Philippine patrol vessels had received radio warnings, ordering them to immediately leave what the Chinese Coast Guard claimed are Beijing's undisputable territories. Washington condemned the maneuver. The State Department said an armed attack in the Pacific would invoke a response under the U.S.-Philippines Defense Treaty. And back in the U.S., the number of Americans who are at least 60 days overdue on their car payments is up about 18% from last year, and auto repossessions are on the rise. I wanted to learn more about how families can navigate these difficult financial times, so I spoke with a lending expert. Have a listen. Joining me now is Ted Rossman, credit card analyst at Bankrate. Ted, it is so great to have you with us. Thanks for having me. This is just a tough situation. Nobody wants to lose sleep because they're worried about their car being repossessed because they chose to buy food and feed their family instead of making their car payment. Ted, what kind of advice do you have for families that are struggling right now? My top tip would be speak up and communicate with your lender. I know sometimes this sounds kind of odd, like isn't that weird to let them know that you're having trouble. It's actually the best thing that you can do because they might be able to work with you. Maybe they can modify your loan agreement. Sometimes they're willing to let you skip a payment or two and tack it on to the back end of the loan. Or maybe they could at least temporarily lower your interest rate or rearrange your due date or whatever it is. I actually think it really pays to speak up and see if they'll cut you a break. That's probably the simplest, easiest route to take. After that, then I think the decisions get tougher. You know, if that doesn't work, then I think you're in a position where you need to either consider 
ways to up your income or cut your expenses or you know maybe refinance or sell the car it, it gets more complicated from there communication is key and a little bit of relief can help but why now are people buying cars that they can't afford or are they, they just locked into these loans with these suddenly increasing rates topped with red hot inflation I think inflation's a big part of it. Certainly what that's done to the car market. I mean, a lot of people are paying upwards of $40,000 for a new car now. We're seeing monthly payments on the order of 700, maybe even $800 a month. In fact, about one in six new car buyers are paying more than $1,000 a month. And inflation is not just in the car market, of course, it's on other things as well gas, car insurance, but also your rent, your groceries, maybe your medical bills, other things. So I think there's a big spillover effect. And you know, even for somebody who thought maybe they could swing the car payment, if costs have gone up so much in other areas, now that's not realistic. It's, it's tough. A lot of people are getting squeezed by this. Ted, as you alluded to, these are tough economic times. Do you have any advice for buying a car? Is it better to just pay cash or financing options here? I mean, what about auctions? If you can pay cash, that would be the way to go because car loan rates have gone up a lot. Even if you have good credit, you're probably looking at something like six, seven, eight percent. If you have a lower credit score, I mean, you could be well into the double digits. I think you need to consider the total cost of ownership too. We're seeing this disturbing trend where people are adding loan terms, adding years to the loan term. So, you know, in the past, we used to think about maybe a four or five year loan as being the max. Now people are financing cars over six, seven, even eight years. And that really adds a lot to the interest expense over time. It may make the monthly payment a bit more affordable, but it keeps you in debt for a much longer period. We're seeing more people underwater on car loans as well, where they owe more than the car is worth. I mean, it's a depreciating asset. It's important, it gets you to work and gets you around town. Um, but think about that total cost of ownership. How does that fit into your budget? And what about other ancillary costs like insurance and gas? That time value of money, it really adds up over these longer loans. Ted Rossman, credit card analyst at Bankrate. It was really great hearing from you. Thank you. Coming up after the break, two friends decide to take the trip of a lifetime around the world to celebrate turning 80 years old. Welcome back. Art has fascinated mankind for thousands of years, from 17,000-year-old cave paintings in France to Leonardo da Vinci's Vitruvian Man and the unforgettable heroes and villains of Shakespeare. Storytelling and imagery have stood at the birth of countless ideas. See how a novel written 150 years ago compelled two best friends from Texas to take a trip of a lifetime. Sandy Hayslip was reflecting on her approaching 80th birthday when she suddenly had an idea. I just mentioned one day, Ellie, wouldn't it be fun to go around the world in 80 days at age 80? Well, she thought about it and her eyes got big and said, woohoo, and started planning. They had it all planned out, but then COVID came and shut the world down. But COVID didn't shut us down. So our new theme is Around, around the, the world, world in 80 Days at 
one and still on the run. They kick things off in the cold country. Well, we started in the Antarctic because, you know, we're doing seven continents, 80 countries, 80 days. And just for your information, we did plan everything ourselves. And the pair didn't break the bank doing so either, averaging just $29 per person per night. That's the only way we could afford to do around the world in 80 days. After Antarctica, the two were scheduled to go to Peru, but political unrest shut the country down. So we just had to change at the very last minute and go to Argentina. And we had a great time in Argentina. Wonderful time. We just figured we got to go with the flow. Since then, they've been in the Australian outback, soaked up the beauty of Tasmania, taken a sleigh ride in the Arctic, and flown in a hot air balloon in Egypt. No problems, just fun, just an adventure. And we've made every single day. We've not, like, somebody sick in bed and, oh, we, we just can't do that. That has never happened for 78 days. We've been able to get up every early every morning and do what we were going to do. They set some criteria for choosing the locations. Well, part of it was we, we definitely wanted to see some of the world wonders. And so, and of course, we wanted to go to all seven continents. And then we wanted to fit in some of the cities that Phileas Fogg went to in his Around the World trip. Phileas Fogg being the hero of the Jules Verne novel Around the World in 80 Days. Yeah, it was Phileas Fogg's Around the World in 80 Days. That's where it all started from. You know, reading the book, watching the movie, that's where we got the big idea. The best friends met through medicine. We met about 23 years ago. Sandy's a medical doctor and I direct a medical mission in Zambia. Tragedy brought the two friends closer together. My husband had died six months before I met Ellie, before, I, before we first met. And then, I start, as she said, we started going on the mission. I started going on the mission trip and we became better acquainted. Then her husband died about five years later, and I knew what she was going through, so I just, we just got closer after that. We asked the pair if they have any advice for others looking to take the plunge and do something magical. We sure would encourage anyone, you may not do it 80 days, but just get out and what do you have to say, Sam? Well, my, my advice is get up out of that easy chair Step out of your comfort zone, make some plans, and live. And the two had one final message. Age is just a number. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. Step out of your comfort zone. That's awesome. They've been to so many places. Yes, and I love how they saw so many different natural environments. Absolutely. There's places that are really high on my budget, uh, bucket list, too, though. Yeah, so Evelyn, I mean, where haven't you been? You've been so well-traveled. No, I mean, there's so many places, so many. I mean, a friend of mine just came back from Tajikistan, which was, which I thought was really cool because it's n really nothing on nobody. I, I haven't heard anybody say it. I want to go to Tajikistan, but th it's those places, you know. What about it's, you? What's on top of your list? That sounds really exciting. Well, I'd love to go to Rome, see the Colosseum mm. and all those stone sculptures. Beautiful city, absolutely. Yes, yeah. that's great. All right, um, I think we'll wrap it up here. That's it for today. Thanks for watching. Write us if you have anything to share at goodmorning at ntd.com. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.